0: As a finance professional, you're constantly looking to learn from the best. Do you want to meet them? Join me and our panel of top industry experts at our next CFO Leadership Live event on November 2nd in Dallas, Texas, as we talk with a panel of CFOs about their top growth strategies and plans for a successful 2023. The workshop includes a complimentary buffet lunch and the chance to network with other DFW finance leaders. Head over to CFOleadershipLive.com to secure your seat. Welcome back to CFO Weekly where we're talking with financial leaders about how to build efficiency in their teams, create time for strategy, and ultimately get results. With your host, Megan Weiss. Let's jump right in. Today, my guest is Matt Wolf. Matt is the CFO of ChartHop. With a background in finance, Matt's role is to help ChartHop accomplish its company growth goals with predictable, transparent metrics and world-class execution. As CFO, Matt spearheads communicating ChartHop's story in a compelling way to investors, and the broader market. Before ChartHop, he served as the CFO at Roadster, where he gained experience leading financial services, implementing effective fundraising, and guiding operational improvement. Matt, thank you very much for joining me on today's episode.
1: Thank you, Megan. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah, today we'll be hearing about your journey as a CFO and learning about your current organization, ChartHop, We'll also be discussing topics such as the role of CFO in storytelling, managing high growth companies, and ensuring their success. I'm really looking forward to learning from you, so let's get started. Excellent. Sounds great. As always, let's start with you and your journey to how you got to where you are today. Sure. Happy
1: to do that. So I, I started my career, um, as I as think a lot of CFOs and finance folks do in investment banking, uh, did that for the better part of a decade then spent some time uh, in some large corporates uh, abroad mostly um, and then uh, moved into sort of finance leadership at startups in around 2015 uh, most recently prior to coming to chart hop I was the CFO of a, another SaaS company called roadster um, which we led a successful exit there at the in the middle of 2021 uh, and I joined chart hop as CFO uh, back in January so I've been with the company for about eight uh, eight, nine months.
0: And just out of curiosity, is ChartHop remote right now? Is everybody working remotely?
1: We are. And it's it's actually been that way since the beginning. We have we made the decision early on to be a fully remote uh, company. Okay. And so a lot of the things that we do um, you know, with the product and also culturally um, is, is set up to sort of cultivate that and, and uh, get employees engaged when there is no office.
0: Yeah, that can't be easy. How was it transitioning into the role of CFO remotely?
1: Yeah, so actually, uh, so I was at, uh, so I did that my last company actually, um, okay. and we you know we went into COVID um, <laughs> as a, as an in office company um, and uh, learned very quickly how to plan and operate a business um, from a very decentralized uh, leadership team. Um, I think it's you know it's it. Probably not too surprising, but what it's going to be is it's constant communication, um, excellent visibility into an organization, and really coming out of that experience at my last company, um, when I was looking for something new, I found ChartHop and loved the product. And it was one of those one of those moments where uh, you you say to yourself, "I wish I had had this at my last company and every other company I've been working for." Um, Because what we do at ChartHop as a sort of people operations analytics platform. Really give management uh, and uh, and employees a view into an organization, um, both from um, sort of an organizational structure perspective, from a compensation perspective, from a DEIB perspective, um, all those different angles, uh, just much more visibility than we've had uh, historically. Um, And that's really what attracted me to the company. And um, so the product itself, actually coming on as CFO at ChartHop, has made my job. a little bit easier, to be, to be honest.
0: So, who is the ideal client for Chart, chart Hop?
1: So, we, we like to think that any company with people uh, <laughs> is, a, is a good candidate for Chart Hop. Um, the, you know, there are, is a certain size at which organizational planning, compensation planning becomes more challenging. Um, so, really, kind of above maybe 100, 150 people is where we start hitting our air sweet spot, but we can go into the multiple thousands and, and beyond. So, it, it really, you know, I think when we started out, uh, we were focused, at, probably not surprisingly, on sort of smaller high growth companies, because I think headcount planning there is such a um, a critical uh, piece of operational planning that uh, we found a lot of early traction there. But as we've come to see, you know, large organizations are also always looking to optimize, looking to re- restructure teams um, to, to maximize productivity. Um, and the product's really great for that as well.
0: Does it sit on top of an ERP or does it work separately?
1: So it it integrates with a number of different systems. So it integrates with payroll, it integrates with HRISs, it integrates with equity systems. But it also goes beyond that and integrates with things. Uh, you know, we can integrate with operational systems, customer service systems, um, sales systems, and by bringing in all that data and using the org chart in some ways as the, the visual sort of front end to look at teams. And so you can look at things like um, sales quotas, or you can look at team diversity uh, makeup and reporting lines and compensation structures and where do people fit in different bands. Um, You can look at tenure, you can look at all these different organizational and demographic metrics and really make more informed decisions about how you structure and operate teams within a company. But really it pulls in data from a number of different systems and it's meant to be an open platform. Uh, We want to be able to connect to various systems across organizations, bring all that data in, connect it to the people that are producing and using that data and uh, giving a view into an organization that I said, you know, really hasn't existed before.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. So it basically allows you to slice and dice information in ways that you've never been able to before.
1: That's right, and the other thing that allows us to do is run scenarios on that uh, on that information. And so, um, if we want to look at, for example, headcount planning in a certain team, um, we can create an org, we look at the org chart and you kind know, of visually add new roles. Um, and then there are obviously tables that that exist behind that, but with the ability to create scenarios and then look at what that does to your overall cost structure, what it does to your quota structure, um, you can basically, kind of, as you said, di- kind of slice and dice. The the data um, in a very engaging and visual way, um, but one that doesn't kind of give up analytical rigor for um, for kind of that that really important UX element.
0: So you've been with ChartHop now for nine months. How yeah, right. um, looking back uh, nine months ago, how how is it that you hit, were able to hit the ground running?
1: Yeah, so I think um, one one of the nice things that is it, it is a SaaS platform, and, and that's something that I um, that I understand. Um, and so the economics of the business were, were fairly straightforward. Um, but I think what I was looking for when coming into the company, and I think this is kind of what I, what I always look for is an executive team that, that engages and looks at finance as a strategic part of the executive team. um, and was eager to work with me when I came in on, budgeting, and planning, and optimizing, and process uh, process optimization. Um, and in my conversations with the team as I was, as I was interviewing with ChartHop, um, I, I just got the sense across the board that, one, the team was very aligned, um, all rowing in the same direction, and um, was very eager to bring on finance leadership uh, to kind of help continue the journey and, and, and um, work towards the, uh, the, the ultimate goals here.
0: And what have been your proudest achievements since joining? So, you know, I think there are, there are
1: a few, actually. So right when I first joined, we acquired a small YC company uh, called Gather. Um, that was like within a couple of weeks. Um, and so I brought a, a great team on board and kind of you know, developed, developed that um, acquisition muscle memory within the company. We pretty quickly put in a, um, a very full-fledged budgeting and in-planning process. Um and the team was very receptive. That's that, so I was I was very pleased that we were able to that I was able to kind of come in, uh talk to the team, uh, explain why we were doing budgeting the way that we were doing it, um, share the models with them. Uh they were, as I said, they were kind of eager to understand and eager to, to engage on that. Um, and so ultimately it was a it was a relatively painless process to put in place, even though one really hadn't been there before I before I joined. Um, and then I think, you know, ultimately it's it's um you know, continue to grow the company. it's It's certainly not um, been the easiest environments in the most in the most recent months. Um, but I've been just truly impressed with the way the the, the exec team and the overall um, employee base has responded um, has really dug in and um, you know it's just a, a group I feel very proud to be part of.
0: And earlier this year you announced Hop's first acquisition. Was that gather?
1: That was yes. Okay.
0: So can you speak a little bit to what went into that and and how the integration is going and and advice for successfully integrating?
1: Yeah, so I I can talk a little bit about that. As I said, it was a smaller YC company um, that had a very complementary product that a a small uh, and sort of very high-powered team had developed. Um, It was really around sort of actions and automating uh, certain event notifications around sort of people milestones in an organization. Um, and they had also built up a really great community of HR professionals um, that were sharing ideas, and, um, and they're really facilitating these facilitating these conversations. And um, so a really great team of uh, both on the marketing side uh, in terms of community engagement, very strong team on the product and engineering side. Um, and was a, an area of our product that we wanted to continue to enhance, and so I think it was just very complimentary when we brought them in. Um, in terms of a kind of advice, it was a you know, it's, it's acquisitions all have their own flavor, even if you've done done a bunch of them, either as a you know as an advisor or on the inside of a company. I think it's the, the most sort of important uh, perspective to have going into an acquisition is that. Um, it will look different at the end than what you anticipated to be at the beginning, um, because all sorts of things come up. Sometimes good, sometimes you know more challenging. But uh, it's it's remaining adaptable and understanding that all these transactions are different and include their own sort of unique uh, unique challenges around just the entire whether it's around structuring, it's whether it's around um, technology. Uh, I think we were fortunate to bring in a really great team of people and uh, they were just wonderful to work with. Um, and I think that's also really important is to have executive alignment, that the objectives are very clear and the reasons for doing the deal are are very clear to both the acquired company and to people internally, really. Um, I think it's something that not all uh, employees go through, uh, especially at a relatively early stage startup. And so, um, you know, you want to be communicating and explaining kind of the strategic rationale as to why why uh, the deal is being done. And from what I've seen, we've brought in some really wonderful people. And, um, you know, it's been a, a good benefit for us.
0: And we hear a lot today about the role of CFO as a storyteller. So yeah. what um, what's the key to being able to tell a company's story in a compelling way to investors and the broader market?
1: So I think that what I've found is to be the most um, sort of helpful, and it's probably will not be kind of the most unique idea, but it really is, and it's something that I enjoy doing, is getting engaged with every team in the company. Because everyone, obviously, as you can imagine, is contributing something to the overall story and the overall progress and growth of the company. Um, So that sales or marketing or CX, people ops, I tend to work very closely um, with those teams um, to really understand how they're operating. I don't look at finance as being sort of a strictly a budgeting function. Um, I I look at it as a much more operational role, much more strategic role. And I want to have those very frank conversations. I want leadership of other teams to feel very comfortable talking to me about challenges and opportunities and giving them frameworks to think through, uh, how to think about whether it's investment or uh, other decisions, and then getting involved in those decisions to the extent that can be helpful. Um, But I think having that sort of granular knowledge of how certain teams operate, when you sort of step back and put it all together into a story about what who we are, what we're trying to accomplish, and how we're going to accomplish it. Um, You just have much, much deeper context to do that.
0: That's great advice. And ChartHop has plans for rapid growth this year and beyond. So what advice do you have for other CFOs who are managing high-growth organizations?
1: Sure. No, I I think, um, again, kind of going back to transactions, um, or just, just in kind of the overall Kind of philosophy around around finance leadership is it's just to be adaptable and, and and it's that you know plan be rigorous in your planning be hyper analytical so that when things don't go according to plan whether above or below you can kind of you understand why they didn't go towards plan um, and knowing the details around that allows you to adapt one way or the other so it's you know. Um, something uh, sales are over the over plan for a, for a particular reason and everyone's going to celebrate that but really why why is it happening were we too conservative in one of our assumptions that something else happened that we hadn't anticipated um and i think that the the overall what i tell what i tell my team what i tell the overall company is let's reduce surprises either to the upside or the downside as much as we possibly can and in a high growth company you just have more surprises because things are just happening faster. Um, You're hiring people faster. Your product is changing faster. uh, Your growth rates are just going to be faster. You're adding new customers, new customer types. And you're sort of seeing for the first time in a lot of ways, how things change when certain variables are altered. Um, And so I think it's being prepared to sort of deal with that, uh, that uncertainty in a way that is constructive to the business I think when we talk to our teams overall, and talk to the company at like in all hands, you know, I think it's it's okay to say that we didn't know something was going to happen, or we didn't expect it to happen this way. Um, but here's how we're responding to it. So it's having the second the second answer um, to not say that hey, we were surprised and we're still trying to figure it out. Um, that may be the case, but figure it out quickly. But I think it's being ready to in, in accepting that things just are not going to um, sort of pan out the way that you expect them to, and to have enough of a granular knowledge uh, and understanding of what you expected to happen to kind of identify and kind of pattern recognize um, when things when things don't, and I also think that the other piece is being able to communicate across departments uh, and across teams, um, so that when things are even even if they're if they're going to plan, why are things happening, um, and having very frank conversations. I have weekly one-on-ones with all of our um, VPs, um, and I, I really do try to understand what, what they're seeing so they can understand what I'm seeing across the organization. So I see finance really as sort of the the funnel point for all of the, that information that goes into operational performance um, and being able to communicate uh, and kind of elevate them above their specific teams to say, okay, well, this is what we're seeing over in, if I'm talking to someone in CX, well, this is what we're seeing over in marketing. Um, and making sure that everyone is aligned, and again, no one is surprised.
0: Yeah, I think what what you mentioned there—just being able to work across the organization—is so important these days. I think that's yes. a big factor in the evolution of the CFO. Whereas twenty years ago, maybe you could work in a silo; it's not possible anymore.
1: Right, right. No, I think that's right. Um, it, it would make my job impossible, actually. If I was if I was just kind of creating creating spreadsheets um, <laughs> and operational plans without um, really regular input and interaction with, uh, with with people across the company.
0: So as the company is maturing from startup to something more mature, how is it that you ensure that your processes and technology can scale with the business?
1: Sure. I think the, the first thing you have to do um, is, is document things. Um, it's at the beginning when everything is sort of running at light speed. Um, it's easy to sort of make ad hoc decisions and um, in, in one-offs, but y- you find um, that over time you're making just too many one-off decisions and everyone is coming to you for, well, how do you want to do this? How do you want to do that? And so I think the the earlier you can begin documenting processes and um, giving people guidance that doesn't have to come from you verbally um, is, is, is infinitely helpful. And those plans will change over time. Those processes will change over time. Um, but putting them in place as early as possible so people have a reference and can begin to understand um, sort of the operational cadence. Um, You asked another another question as well. Um,
0: Process process and technology.
1: Ah, technology, sorry. Um, I'm going to edit that out. So, (laughs) and as it regards systems, I think there I'm always looking ahead um, and it may seem like certain systems are really expensive at the time, but looking at it from an ROI perspective and saying, look, it's going to cost us X right now and or maybe X on an annual basis, but what do we get out of that? Is it error reduction? Is it time savings? Is it more efficient hiring plans? Uh, it really is sort of taking all of that into consideration when when thinking about systems and also uh, eliminating redundancy and increasing integration between systems and so it really it's it's what i also like to avoid is buying point solutions that will need to come out at a certain point in time because something else is going to replace it in a more unified way and so it's always looking at will we continue to use this or will we move to something else in say a year or two and does that mean when we replace that one system we'll have to replace three or four or does something we're buying today continue to be useful into the future? And I try to be as as forward-looking as possible uh, with that. Um, And also try to to see how we can standardize those systems across teams. Um, Every kind of team has their own preferred way of doing things, and every team leadership has their own preferred way of doing things. Um, And the more we can consolidate and get people working on consistent platforms, I think... That sets a, an operational tone um, so that when new people come into the company or move around in between teams, they aren't having to learn tools with those moves. Um, it, and and you develop an expertise that I think um, can sometimes be underrated.
0: And of course, one of the beautiful things about a startup is that entrepreneurial spirit. So how do you maintain that spirit while still managing risks?
1: Yeah, I think the the it's hard. I mean, is the bottom line right? Um, because I think you can do things at uh, ten to twenty people that are that are that you can't have two hundred people doing it. Just it becomes chaos, right? Um, but I still think you want one of the nice things about startups, and the reason that people come to work for them is because they have they have immediate impact. They have the ability to influence how a product or a process gets built or implemented and so even as we scale to you know hundreds of people leadership still has to give their um their reports some autonomy around how they go about their day-to-day within sort of the confines of a framework of how we're going to operate as an overall organization um and so giving product teams enough leeway so that they feel like they're still influencing the product. They're not just being told what to build. Um, I think, you know, giving marketing teams um, flexibility with the budget and so that, you know, they, they are empowered and enabled to go and, and spend in the way that they best see fit at that, at that time. So that they feel like they are able to make decisions and that keeps people engaged. What I think you just don't want to do is when you go from a, Early startup to a large organization is to have people feel like their roles are being diminished, their voices aren't being heard, because ultimately that's why you why you come to an organization that, that is um, moving quickly. It's that you like that environment, you like that atmosphere, um, and you like the interactions with your colleagues that come with that. And I think it's just it's it's incumbent on managers to be be very focused. Are they? you know, asking their teams for things or are they telling them how to do things? And I think that um, it's a kind of a fine line to walk because, again, there there will be more processes. There will be more sort of approvals and things that are needed for certain for certain decisions. But, you know, I like to think of it as like letting people, making sure that people's fingerprints are still on things that they're working on.
0: Yeah. I think people want to feel purpose in, in what it is yeah, they're exactly. doing. Exactly. That's right. And you may have just answered this, or at least touched on it. But as a financial leader, what's the key to cultivating an environment that ensures employees have the right resources to succeed, particularly in a remote environment?
1: Yeah. So I think, yeah, you know, it kind of goes back to what I what I was saying earlier about, um, you know, selecting tools and platforms and things. But I, I, I say, you know, when I when I come into organizations, uh, I say my my job as as the CFO is to ensure that. Everyone has the resources needed to do their jobs effectively, um, whether that's the right people on teams, whether it's the right software products, whatever it happens to be. Um, and as we get into a remote environment, that becomes even more challenging because, you know, the, the, everyone's working in a very different environment, um, their home, right? And so I think you, you have to be open to listening to people. It's it, things, things that work in, in an office environment. I think we're still, and we're, we're you know, kind of, what now, three years into this, we're um, getting there. And um, I think we're still finding ways to make that experience better. Um, we are, we're still finding ways that the that existing tools can be used in, in sort of new ways to increase employee engagement, um, increase communication. Um, and I also think you need to, um, even in a remote environment, you need to um, ensure that there is still human Contact, <laughs> you know, you know, right? It's and so we do things like all hands meetings where we bring everyone together. Um, we do smaller sort of regional events. Um, so while people are working from home, they have a chance to know someone beyond just a Zoom screen or a or a um, some just a video conference. And so I think there it's it's listening to people, understanding how people are efficient in a home environment um, or a co working environment versus. Um, versus an office environment where you just have more control over really everything. and um, you know there there are going to be trade-offs. Um, you know I think the remote environment requires just you know may require more meetings because you don't have the opportunity to overhear things and just kind of drop a comment into something you've overheard or just stop by really quickly to someone's desk or whatever. And so but it's and it's being, Sort of cognizant of that, but also respectful of, people, of people's time so that it isn't just meeting after meeting after meeting. Um, so it can, it can feel that way sometimes. And I, so I think it's important to sort of lay some ground rules as well. Um, so that people have, you know, as you, you asked them about resources, um, but I think, you know, their time is, is ultimately their, their most valuable resource. And so, um, it's, it's giving them kind of the tools, but it's also giving them the space to do their work.
0: And what is one or, or maybe, two to three of the biggest challenges you and your team are facing this quarter. And what are you guys doing to help solve that challenge? It's
1: a good question.
0: How's talent? How is it? How are you guys finding and retaining top talent?
1: Yeah. So that's a good question. And I think we've done a a remarkable job of, of bringing talent. I think we offer a lot as just as a company from a cultural perspective, Um, you know, Working in the HR space, you're, you're very um, you're kind of acutely aware of how people feel about an organization. Um, we use our, our own product internally. Um, so we do everything from uh, you know one-on-ones to performance reviews to everything um, using that tool. So we try to keep a really um, good pulse on our organizational health, um, the happiness of our employees, how they're engaged. I think you know that that that's always going to be a challenge, just because you, as I said earlier, you, you know you're in a remote environment and you don't see people every day. So I think it's really important that you find ways to stay engaged. You know, I think being remote it allows us to find talent in areas that we wouldn't have uh, if we were in office culture. Um, so I think that's been a that's been a huge benefit. We found some wonderful folks. In markets that we just wouldn't have been, in otherwise, I think on on the flip side, as the sort of work work from home environment shifts a little bit, some companies are going back to the office, some are work, some are still work from home, some are hybrid models. You know, people coming out of the last couple of years, people are going to figure out what they what works best for them. Um, some people like being in an office, some really don't. Um, some like the flexibility, some like the camaraderie that that comes about from being in an office, and so. You know, we're we're certainly dealing with those challenges. I think all organizations are to some extent, just because of where um, where we've been the last couple of years. But you know, I think we we do that very effectively, and, and part of what we part of the way we, we do that is through our through our own platform. Um, but then it's 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 also making sure that you're recognizing achievements and rewarding um, accomplishments. In, in a way that is visible to the organization when you're not in an office um, and that's how I think we, we've helped retain some of our some of our, our best talent um, because we're not shy about you know at an all hand, at our kind of regular all hands meetings celebrating that um, and people want to feel like to your earlier point that they have purpose in an organization and I, I think it's important to, to acknowledge and recognize that those purposes are being, you know, we we recognize that as a, as a as a leadership as an executive team and as a company. Um, so you know, certainly certainly challenges around talent, like every company has, but I think we've navigated that quite um, quite successfully in a lot of ways. Um, continue to improve, and we'll we'll continue to look for ways to to uh, to be better. But um, I, I feel I feel wonderful about the people that are at ChartHop. I think we've got just an amazing team um, and. Um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of where, where that is.
0: Yeah. Chart Hub sounds like an innovative, fun place to work.
1: It's, 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 it is. I think, um, you know, we're doing something, it's, it's interesting when you're building a platform that hasn't really existed before. So you're kind of defining a market niche that, um, for the first time, and that comes with its own challenges, but also its own rewards. Um, when you really can shape how, shape the language and, um, sort of shape the sort of the philosophy around a new a new market.
0: And lastly, what advice do you have for CFOs who are looking to drive strategic value and, and make a real impact at their organization?
1: Yeah, I think you have to you have to build relationships across the company and in a way that when you need to make decisions as a CFO, and ultimately a lot of decisions do come down to, to you, you have to be able to one take the the perspective of other team other teams into into account, work that into your decision process, and then be able to explain why you made a decision in a certain way. Um, if you can't do that, and it just seems like you're making decisions either based on opinion or with incomplete information, or even arbitrarily, that's going to you know it's going to start to break down. And I think it all comes down to trust. So you need to have very strong trust relationships between all parts of the company. And with, without that, you, you will be operating in a vacuum and it can be a very lonely role. And so you want, to, you want to make sure that you have, if not the support, but hopefully the support, but if not the support, at least the understanding of your executive peers as, as to why decisions are being made and then make those decisions you know, in consultation with your other C-level counterparts.
0: That's great advice, Matt. Thank you so much for being my guest today.
1: Thank you, Megan. This is great. I really appreciate the time. Um, It's a lot of fun. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed speaking with you and hearing about your experiences and the resulting insights. And uh, I wish you and ChartHop all the best. Sounds like you're both doing some amazing things. Thank you so much. To all of our listeners, please tune in next week. And until then, take care.